This morning's scripture comes from Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Didn't she do a great job with all those words? <laughs> all right, let me pray. Gracious God, we thank you uh, for this story that uh, you give us in the book of Acts um, and for the word that you want to speak to us through these events that happened many, many years ago. Uh, give us ears to hear, eyes to see your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so it was uh, Wednesday morning. I walked into the David's Harp office. Uh, we support them, and I was walking in to like hand deliver the check. It's one of my great joys is to be able to hand deliver that check and it gives me a chance to talk to them. Uh, and uh, and Brandon had this kind of like downcast face, and as like the email came, I was like, oh. So we sat down and talked, and Chad ended up walking in, and we ended up uh, all praying together. You know, Chad and I and some of the leaders from David's Harp, we ended up praying together. Uh, that morning as we're like, all right, trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? And like, you know, immediately going into do list mode. And I had lunch that day with, uh, with somebody here and I was walking uh, over, making my way over to Lola 55 for lunch. And, and I just was like, man, Lord, like what? I just, I don't think I, I need to preach from first John five, but I don't know what I need to preach on. I don't know what it is that you want us to hear this morning. I need something. I kid you not. I had barely said amen, and the image of this story popped into my head. I was like, oh, I think God wants me to, I think Jesus wants me to pray on the Macedonian call. Uh, I went, had lunch, it was kind of in the back of my mind. I, even, I think I even talked with Kate about it, and I was like, oh, I'm still not sure. And I went, and I read that passage. I was like, okay. And I read, and I started reading a commentary, and like, I kid you not, and this is not, this is how, not how sermons normally happen. I read the passage, I read like part of a commentary, and I immediately knew what I wanted to say. I immediately knew what the Spirit wanted me to say, I should say. Uh, and that's not how it normally works. Um, and, and, but it wasn't until Friday morning uh, that I was writing my sermon out, and I was writing a sermon, all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. Like, what I experienced that week was really a sense that the Spirit was already at work uh, and I just needed to keep up with what the Spirit was doing. Uh, and, and what I realized was that what's happening here in, in this passage for Paul is that the Spirit was at work, and that Paul and Silas, and then eventually Timothy, and then eventually Luke as well, 
needed to keep up with what the Spirit was already doing. Uh, Harbor Church, I think that's what Jesus wants us to hear this morning. He is already at work. God's Spirit is already at work. Uh, and it is our responsibility and our call and our privilege uh, to keep up with what he is already doing. That's the sermon. All right, now what we're going to see is how do we do that? Uh, so the, this passage kicks off what is known as the second missionary journey of Paul. Just get, a little bit of the context is important. So in Acts 15, this, uh, this event called the Jerusalem Council meets. Uh, and so in the second missionary journey, the first part of that missionary journey, Paul is going over familiar territory in order to be able to have, um, uh, to, to share the good news of what it is that's going on. And Ellery did a phenomenal job of reading uh, all of those names of cities and regions. My guess is that if you're anything like me, uh, Galatia is familiar because you know about the book of Galatians, um, but you may not actually know where Galatia is situated. Uh, you know the word Asia, but the word Asia in Acts does not mean what you think it means. Um, and that probably Bithynia and Mysia and Troas mean absolutely nothing to you. Uh, but the thing is that geography matters. Right? Geography matters for us as a church, right? We've been in a church downtown, and that has shaped who we are as a church in really significant ways. Uh, and so the geography of what Paul is doing is really important. So we have a series of maps that we're going to throw up on the screen. So this first map is this is the region of the world that we're talking about. Uh, so we're looking at the Eastern Mediterranean, and the next slide tells you exactly where we're focusing. So this is the area that we're actually in. Uh, so everything that happens, happens within roughly the bounds of that circle. Uh, so Paul is uh, going to travel from the region of uh, Syria and Cilicia, and he's going to go up to about 270 miles to Lystra. I think the next slide, there you go. So he goes all the way up to Lystra. And when he gets to Lystra, uh, he comes upon a family, uh, a mom, a uh, 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 a grandmother, a mother, and a son. And these three people are devout followers of Jesus, and the son's name is Timothy. Uh, and, and we're given a little bit of context about what happens with Timothy. I'm not going to go into that right now. But the thing that we need to understand, something that I think is really important, is that, that this is the moment where one of Paul's most faithful delegates, uh, one of his most important disciples, uh, one of the most important pastors of the New Testament church gets added to Paul's band at this particular moment. This is, it cannot be understated how important this moment is. Uh, and so then they go from there and they're going from town to town uh, and they're going and they are re uh, reviewing, giving the news about what happened uh, in this council back in Acts chapter 15. So they were in Jerusalem and then they make all their way up to Asia Minor. Uh, and, and this is really what they're talking about is the gospel. They're talking about the fact that salvation is through faith alone in Jesus and that it is not through uh, following a certain type of different uh, Jewish religious practices. Uh, and so the, the import and what you see is this, is this good news is being shared as, as people are hearing for the first time, for not the first time, that was happening is two really important things. The church is being strengthened, right? So they're, they're being rooted and established in the gospel again, 
in this good news of what Jesus has done and their faith is being strengthened. And then at the same time, people are hearing this good news for the first time and they're coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And so as the result, the church is growing and the church is being strengthened. Lots of open doors, lots of open doors. Uh, And what we see as this passage is going to progress is that there are three things, I skipped this, I should have said this earlier. There are three things, three ways that Paul, um, that we see Paul and his, and his, and his uh, band of, um, the band following with him, three things that we see the, the, the spirit at work. First of all, we see the spirit at working through open and closed doors. Secondly, we see the spirit working through circumstances and reflection on those circumstances. And then finally, we see the Spirit working personally and corporately, all right? So already open doors. So the the very first part of their missionary journey, success upon success upon success. But then we get to verse 4, and it says, uh, they traveled from town to town. Uh, They delivered decisions. They reached. The church was strengthened. But then as they get further along in their journey, we come to the next leg of their journey, the next map slide. And what we find out is that uh, they don't have the same amount of success. Paul and his companions travel, traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So what happens, if you look at the map, uh, is that they're going up. This is not the fastest route. There's a faster route, but they're not able to go through the faster route because the faster route is through Asia. So they're being pushed over to this region of Phrygia and then Galatia. You can just see the GA there of where the region of Galatia is. They're taking the longer route, the route that they didn't want to go in. They want to go towards Asia, towards the cities of Colossae and Ephesus. Ephesus is the capital of the region of Asia. And Paul had this kind of philosophy of ministry. He always went to the capital cities in order to establish churches in the capital cities in order to affect and let the gospel spread in a particular region. But, but he couldn't go in that direction. So he's being pushed in a sense uh, in this other direction. Uh, so then they continue to travel because they can't go to Asia. They continue to travel. And then we read in verse seven, they came to the border of Mysia. They tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go there. So if you see the next map, uh, that circle right there is the region of Bithynia. Uh, That borders the southern edge of the Black Sea. So what they wanted to do was to go southwesterly into Asia, and then when that didn't work, they wanted to go northeasterly to go into Bithynia, and, and it's like God is saying like, nope, you're staying right here where I want you. Door closed. Now you can imagine, can't you, the frustration potentially, right? The confusion, the disappointment that Paul, that uh, Silas, that Timothy will have at this point where they think they know where they're going. They think that they know the direction that they need to be going in, uh, and yet doors are closing on them. But what we see is that the Spirit is at work. Both times we're told it's the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Jesus, right? So we're being told very clearly God was ordering their steps. God was guiding the way that they needed to go. Uh, Think about this from the perspective of us as a church, right? For for well over 10 years, Harbor has worshiped at the warehouse. Uh, And that has given us as a church a tremendous amount of stability. Uh, You all know, uh, you know, rent is always kind of it's a thing here in Southern California, right? I mean, I lived here for a year and I had to find a house. Um, 
In the time that we've been here in San Diego, I know of one church in the East Village that closed, and part of the reason that they closed was because they couldn't find a stable rent. Uh, They ended up merging with another church. Uh, So God provided us for a really long time stability that allowed Harbor as a church uh, to grow and to flourish. Open doors, open doors, open doors. Praise God for open doors, right? God has closed the door now. Uh, and, and we do not know yet if the door is closed for a few months. We don't know if the door is closed for a year. We don't know if the door is closed permanently. We don't know that the door might open up and God says, that's actually not the door I want you to take. I want you to go in this other direction. But we do know something. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt, he is going to open a door. There's no doubt about that. We just have to patiently follow him and wait for him to open the right door. We need to trust God for guidance, and we need to rejoice equally whether we have open doors or closed doors. And this is really the wisdom that Solomon hands down to us in in, uh, Proverbs 16.9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So what happens is that Paul and his companions, they get to the city of Troas. So remember, right? Open doors at the beginning of this journey. Closed doors, closed doors, closed doors. As they make their way, they're trying to go to Asia. They're trying to go to Bithynia. They're trying, they, can't, they can't go those other directions. Then they get to the city of Troas. And if you look at the next map, you see that the city of Troas is right there. So they don't really go through Mysia. They go around Mysia. And remember, they're using roads here. So these are well-traveled roads. There's inns that they're staying in. Uh, And so they get to Troas, and it's when they're at Troas that Paul gets a vision. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel there. Two really important things just happened. Uh, two doors just opened up. The first door, uh, it's, it, you, you, if you're not paying attention, you miss it, all right? Who writes the book of Acts? Does anybody know? Luke does, okay? So if you pay attention to the first part of this passage, everything is being reported in the third person. When you get to these verses, all of a sudden, we are told we. It is in, we believe that it is in Troas that God brought Luke to be a part of Paul's band. So listen, this is amazing, right? At the beginning, before doors closed and right after doors closed, God added to Paul's missionary band. He brought new people in. And then the second way that the doors open up for him is that now he is given Paul is given a clear indication of exactly where it is the Spirit wants them to go. There's no doubt about it because a vision is given to him that he needs to go. Uh, and what we see is that they take, um, that, that they end up uh, talking with one another because they're concluding that this is the direction that they're going to go. So they've traveled at this point probably around 500 miles. Uh, of this is how long their route would have been in terms of miles. Uh, so we see that they're, they're making these decisions together. Paul is the primary person. There's no doubt about that. 
But it says that we concluded, and that word concluded, uh, the Greek kind of the idea and the Greek word behind that is that there's a unified decision that is being made, that people are being unified around a decision that's being made together. So it wasn't Paul saying, all right, this is what we're going to do now, but that Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke are all working together. All right, so let's land the plane. So what we see is that there are kind of three dynamics at work in this passage that the Spirit is doing to lead. The Spirit is at work, and what Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke and others who were probably traveling with them, uh, they're paying attention to open and closed doors. They're paying attention to uh, circumstances, but they're reflecting on those circumstances, and they are, uh, uh, we see Paul gets a vision, but it's all being done together. All right, so... Um, you know that it, it doesn't, it took what, Ellery, I don't know, three minutes to read the passage. Uh, and so it could be really easy for us to think, oh, that would just, you know, just happen like that. Um, there's this really cool app, not app, it's this really cool program that I discovered this past week. Uh, Stanford University has developed a, a model that allows you to gauge how long it would have taken to travel from one place to the other in the Roman world. It's fascinating. Um, I was doing it on my iPad, so I had certain constraints with what I could do. What I discovered was that the fastest route that they could have taken would have taken them through Asia, and if they didn't stop at all, it would have taken 54 days from Antioch to Troas. What we know is that they took the longer route, and what we know is that they were going from town to town talking about this news. So that means that they were going to a town and they were hanging out for a little bit, and then they're going to the next town and they're hanging out for a little bit, and they're staying at inns and they're traveling. They're probably like, hey, let's go to Asia, and then something doesn't line up, and they're probably gonna be sitting there trying to figure it out. So we're talking about months, months that this part of the journey would have taken them. The closed door that we have is not gonna get resolved next week. It will take months. Uh, and so what we need to do is we need to faithfully walk and recognize that Holy Spirit is already at work and that he is inviting us to keep up with what he is already doing. We don't know what doors are gonna open yet. We trust because of God's provision, his provision of this place, which is amazing, uh, his provision in the past. Like, it's easy to take for granted how much stability our church has had for how long we've had it in that location. And the location, you know, the warehouse, you, I know, like, there are pros and cons. I get that, right? But the stability that we had is something that most churches who rent don't get to enjoy, especially in a volatile market like San Diego. So because of that past provision, because of the present provision, we can have confidence of future provision because God works according to his character. The second thing that we see is these circumstances and, uh, and reflections. So there's certain circumstances that happen. Then they get to this point where the vision occurs and we see them kind of working together. They're talking to one another. They're concluding. Uh, we can only assume that that was what was happening throughout the entire journey. Uh, and, and so they were trying to determine what it is that God was doing. Church, uh, it will be really easy for us 
to pray for the outcome and not pray for the process. It'll be really easy for us to pray, give us a building, and miss out on the fact that God's Spirit has led us into this in-between time because he has something for us in this time. It'll be really easy for us to lose sight of the fact that God has moved us physically because he wants to move us spiritually as his people. And so what I'm asking for you to do, what I'm asking you is to join me. We're going to talk more about this next week. Uh, Kylie's going to come up uh, and, and, and lead us in this. Um, what I'm asking you to do is, is we need to pray for the outcome. Don't, don't, you know, we need a place, right? Um, but I'm asking you, please join me in not just praying for the outcome, but join me in praying for the process. Join me in trying to figure out what it is that God is doing. He closed that door because he needed to prepare us for the next open door. Paul would not have gone to Macedonia. Can you imagine the implications, right? Going to Macedonia meant that the gospel went into Europe. One of the most effective leaders that the church has ever had went into Europe and started planting churches. Do you realize we are direct descendants of that missionary expansion of the church? Now, could God have done it through somebody else? Absolutely, but he chose to do it at that particular moment. That movement, that 70-mile journey across the Aegean Sea was a monumental moment in the history of the world. Now, I'm not so arrogant as to think that God's gonna do something about it, but my point is to say that God is doing something and we wanna pray for the process as much as we wanna pray for the outcome. And then uh, we see, that, uh, we see that, that Paul was the one who has the vision, but that other people were involved in the, de the decision-making process. We see, I think this to me was really striking, uh, how at, at the two particular moments, Paul added to, I'm excuse, not Paul, God added to Paul's missionary band. Like, it is not lost upon me the beautiful uh, serendipity of having new people join our church today. Right? Like, God, again, this, like, we planned this a month ago. I am not that good. For God to give us a physical, visible reminder for us to say, like, I'm going to add to you even during this time is amazing. So I've asked you one thing. I'm asking you to pray. Pray for not just the outcome, but pray for the process. And here's the second thing I'm going to ask of you. Um, how many of you, hold on a second, how many of you uh, watched the Rings of Power series on Amazon? Come on, just a few. Oh, this illustration's not going to work. <laughs> I'm going to try it anyway. Man, a Tolkien fan failed. Gee whiz. All right, so it's this mythical story. It happens in Middle Earth. There are, there's this nomadic group of people called the Harfoots that are precursors of hobbits. Uh, and the Harfoots have to travel from place to place, and they travel according to the seasons uh, in order to be able to sustain for themselves, right? They go where the food is at. And because of this nomadic lifestyle, they're constantly under threat. 
you see throughout the series that wolves and humans come and attack them. Uh, and so there's this, there's this cultural value that the Harfoots have developed for themselves. And it's summarized in the statement that you hear again and again and again in the series. And it's very simple. It says, no Harfoot left behind. Uh, and so what you see throughout the story is that that value, no Harfoot left behind, uh, leads this very humble group of people to make some very bold decisions because of how deeply ingrained into their society this value, no Harfoot left behind, is. So guess what just happened? You're not sitting where you normally sit, right? Uh, and moments of transition are, sociologically speaking, are times where people leave. This is just the reality. It is a sociological reality. Uh, transition can be hard for people. Uh, and for any number of different reasons, some valid, uh, folks might say, hey, this is where I get off the bus. Please do not leave the bus. But secondly, I wanna say to everybody, do not assume that Chad or Christina or I know who is and who isn't here. Uh, please don't assume that our elders and our elder advisors and our other leaders know who is and who isn't here. Uh, no harborite left behind needs to be a value for us in this moment. Uh, and so what I'm asking you is to look around and if you this week or next week or the week after, if you don't see somebody that you normally talk to, do not assume that Chad saw it. Do not assume that I saw it. Do not assume that somebody else in leadership saw it. Take it upon yourself. I am here dubbing the all pastors, priests, priesthood of all believers. I am dubbing you all. Um, please reach out. Uh, if you don't have the phone number, we can get you phone numbers. Um, reach out and, and connect with people because we do not want anybody in the shuffle of what is going on here to be left behind. Uh, can I just tell you, like, how I am so excited right now? Really, I could truly. Like, I was writing my sermon. I was like, I am so very thankful that I get to be a part of this church at this moment in its life. I have no clue what's gonna happen. I have no clue. But I know that the God who ordered the steps of Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke has not changed. And I know that he cares for us just as much as he cared for them. And so I'm really excited to see the outcome but I'll be honest with you, I'm actually more excited to see the process. I'm actually more excited to see how this season in the life of Harbor will be one in which we really go after this idea of what it means to trust and follow Jesus, what it means for us to, to, to be disciples of Jesus. Um, and I'll be honest with you, like, I don't have all that figured out either. Like that's, that's part of the ideation that's been going on in my head this past week. Um, but I'm, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart. Uh, so thankful. God's Spirit is doing something here, folks. Uh, we don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be good. 
Um, it might be hard, but the outcome is going to be great because he is great. Uh, and we get to be a part of that. And that's a really, really amazing thing. Uh, and what we're being invited to this morning is to just keep up with what the Spirit is already doing. Let's pray. Gracious God, we uh, thank you for the story that you provided uh, to, to show us how you, um, how you work to chart out our paths even as we plan our steps. Uh, Lord, we're grateful to you for giving a story that uh, can speak to us in this particular moment. Uh, we're thankful to you, Lord, that in that story you show that your spirit was uh, firmly at work, that there's no doubt at all of what it is that your spirit was seeking to do. Uh, and so we trust that because your character is the same, because you do not change, that you're going to use these circumstances in a similar way. Uh, so, Lord, please help us. We pray for the outcome. Lord, we ask that you would please provide a place for us to be able to meet that will give us the same kind of stability that we enjoyed. And, Lord, we even pray more than that, that, that you would provide for us a place that would meet some of the needs that the warehouse was not able to meet a place for kids to be able to play after church, a space for us to, to, to do our children's ministry more effectively. Um, and yet, Lord, we also pray for the process. Uh, we pray that you would, in this process, that you would shape us uh, and mold us into people who trust and follow you, that we would be your disciples. Uh, that, that during this season that we would uh, grow in a value that says that we look out for one another even more than what we already do. No harborite left behind would be a phrase that would reverberate in our minds. Uh, and that, Lord, that you would please um, be, help us to be faithful in following the leading of your spirit during this season. Uh, we pray that for our leadership, but we pray that for all of us, Lord. We need one another during this season. Um, to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.